Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to connect you with people and resources to remind you that you're not alone. In this episode, number 223, join myself and Candace Cameron Bure as we talk about how to stay calm and kind under pressure. But I'm praying throughout the day. So my relationship isn't going anywhere. I feel very connected to God every single day because I pray throughout the day. Now, sometimes I literally have to roll off of like roll out of my bed and onto my knees every morning and start my day that way. I don't feel connected if I don't do that. But throughout my day, I'm constantly having conversations with God, not always in a closed doored room on my knees, but like whatever I'm doing, because it might just be under my breath and be like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, you need to help me because I want to snap at that person right now. (laughs) Or like, I'm going to lose it with my son who just talked back to me or whatever that, but it's a constant dialogue. It's really everything for me to know that my words are heard by him, no matter where I am, no matter what time of day, when I say it under my breath, he hears it. Candace has spent a majority of her life under the spotlight. You may know her as DJ Tanner from Full House or You New Moms, Fuller House on Netflix. She's also been a host on The View, a contestant on Dancing with the Stars, an actress in Hallmark movies. Side note, she tells us about her new one at the end of the show and an author. Her newest book is her first children's book. It's called Candace Center Stage. We're going to talk about it in this episode. We also talk about her parents and how they helped shape her character and stay the course all these years. We talk about her as a mom and her years staying home, how she and her husband have balanced their growing careers, and who helps Candace not mom alone. We're going to answer your questions, including ones about raising teenagers. I want to tell you email subscribers, I know email services aren't people, but for some reason, I think they're a little mad at Don't Mom Alone, and they're putting the emails in your spam folder. So make sure you go and tell them that you want to see the show notes in your inbox. And if you're listening and you haven't ever gotten the show notes in your inbox, go to don'tmomalone.com, scroll down, put in your email, and you'll get them, hopefully, crossing fingers. All right, let's get into my conversation with Candice. Here we go. Hey, Candace, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm so, I mean, really excited to chat with you today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so my listeners who are on Instagram know a little bit about why I'm excited, but I haven't gotten to tell you yet. And I kind of wanted to tell you in the interview. Okay. Okay. Are you ready for this? Back in fifth grade, I asked a boy to go with me. I called up his home phone. His mom answered. So I had to embarrassingly ask for him to get on the phone. He got on. I said, will you go with me? He said no. And I said, thank you. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay. So then fast forward a few years and I thought, you know, I'm going to write about that story because I'm sure other girls have been in that situation. And I'm going to apply to be in this writing contest for Brio Magazine. My goodness. Y'all, you remember Brio. It's still around. Of course I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't win. That's that story. (laughs) Did not win the contest, but they loved the picture I sent in with me and my younger brother, arm in arm. We were homeschooled at the time the picture was taken, and it was in the issue that you were the cover model for. Yes. So you and I have actually worked together before. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So I showed Lilith. Yes, we have. I showed them on Instagram the 1992. Uh, Brio magazine where DJ Tanner is in the front cover and I am in there looking so 13 with my <laughs> perm hair <laughs> like so awkward but uh 
Yeah, you have been around. That is so cute. You I have, have been, been around. around. You've been on the front page. It even had a centerfold like poster. These young girls could have you up in their bedrooms as a role model for what it looks like to be a Christian in the world. And uh, I know that I don't. You've been handling that for a long time. I know it's actually cool to. Sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you off. No, please do fun, anytime. It's funny to um, not funny. It's actually quite heartwarming in the sense that how many young role models do we see at 13 or 15? And then by the time they're 30 or 40, you're like, oh, disappointed. And (laughs) I'm not giving myself kudos, but no, but it is rare. Yeah. My parents kudos of like, wow, I was on that cover at 13 and I'm still walking the walk. And I'm like, that is pretty cool because there's a handful of people you can probably say that about. But anyway, that kind of sounds obnoxious for me saying. No, no, no. I think it's it's it really is telling reflective like. (laughs) Yeah, it is telling to, like you said, your parents and to the fact that they equipped you then to withstand the distractions and the pulls for parts of fame that would never fulfill you and yet keep you on the center stage like your book is labeled your new book for kids but not get caught up in it still be you yeah yeah that that's really so what were the things they did help (laughs) help these younger moms and myself to uh to learn those things from you oh goodness well my parents just continually showed and taught us about love I mean they loved us unconditionally they reinforced hard work continually. I mean, that's, I, there's one thing I can say as much as my dad loved me and I'm his little princess, but it was all about working hard, work Mm. hard for what, what you're getting, what you're achieving, like, because it won't matter if you don't work for it. If someone hands it to you, gives it to you. Uh, I really understood that. And also knew that my parents were always there for us, even in the mess ups. And that can be probably the trickiest thing, no matter what age you're at, if that's uh, your teen years and then even in adulthood, because you're going to disappoint your parents no matter what. (laughs) And uh, and knowing that when you do, whether it's on purpose or it's unintentional to have parents that'll say, hey, we're going to learn from this, but I still got your back. I love you. And we're going to walk through it together. That kind of support is unbelievable. And uh, they modeled that greatly, which gave me a safety net not to be so fearful to try something, to step out of my comfort zone. It's not so much that my parents were there to catch me in a mess up, but I just knew they would encourage me to get back up and try again. And I'm hearing, you know, when your dad said work hard and it wasn't this working hard to earn approval, the performance thing where do a great job. So we love you. And I feel like that's so important because so many of us, maybe we got the message of work hard, but it was work hard. And then you get my approval. If you don't work hard or do well, then I'm turning away from you. Right. And, Mm. uh, and that's a, oh yeah, that breaks my heart. And that's not what it was at all, but it was just work hard to be respected for and accomplish that you can, you know, along with God's help, but you did this because you earned it and accomplished it and it's on your own merit. Um, and that's all it was, but nothing, nothing to do with approval or that will love you because you do these things. Mm, That's a really, I mean, it's a hard thing to do as a parent because sometimes our identities can be so wrapped up in our kids, but you and your parents had two kids who were out there 
doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. So obviously they had a pretty secure identity in who they were. Do you feel like? Uh, I feel like they did, but not quite as confident as you would imagine. And by the way, I have two sisters. So there was four of us. My two sisters just aren't in the business, but we are four kids within six years. So my mom was a hardworking stay-at-home mom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) juggling two kids that were in the entertainment industry, but my, my two sisters who were kind of always along at our sides or in school or whatever, we always did everything as a family, but they, you know, especially growing up within the entertainment industry and we were born and raised in LA. So it's not like we moved across the country to try to have careers and my, you know, this was just more like, Hey, some kids go play soccer and some kids (laughs) take ballet class. And we just, went and tried to audition for commercials. Like that was our LA activity after school Mm -hmm. to do. And Mm -hmm. my parents really learned along the way, but I think that my parents, they had determination and loved us unconditionally, but they really learned along the way. So I could talk to my mom now and my dad now and realized how scared they were and how everything was so unknown to them. And they just kind of faked their confidence. They just Mm. kind of faked their way through it, which is a wonderful example. And I say fake it in a really good way because they're like, well, we don't really know what we're doing, (laughs) but we'll just try. And if it goes down miserably, we're just not going to do that next time. But as a kid, I didn't know it for my parents. So I always felt like, oh, I can do anything I want to do because my parents just did the same thing or at least modeled it for us. So yeah. No, no, that's good. I mean, I think that's it's encouraging to all of us parents that if our kids are called to step into something that we don't have experience with, that's okay. We can trust God. He's going to give us the wisdom in the moment and we don't have to be pros and all the things. And our kids stand on our shoulders, right? Like our ceilings, their floor and they can do things. And you have kids. You have your own kids that Mm -hmm. are now teens and beyond. So introduce everyone to your kiddos. Okay. Well, Natasha is 20 years old and she's in school right now. She still stays at home and, or lives at home she's got her day job and she's pursuing entertainment as well. Her singing is her passion. And then she's, she auditions for acting and stuff. And then my two, I have two boys, Lev, who is 18 and Max, who is 16. And they're both following in their dad's footsteps, which is playing hockey. And they (laughs) hope to do that professionally. So uh, my son is now out because he graduated high school. And so he's um, out playing hockey in another state. And then, uh, I still have my 16 year old son at home with me, but, uh, constantly traveling cause he's playing hockey for another team in a different city than we live. So he's commuting <laughs> uh, to play hockey. So my husband really is, uh, an amazing, not only husband, but father, he's so committed to our children and basically has put his life on hold at this point while I'm working. So he can do everything with the kids and particularly with their hockey careers. I think that's important for us all to think about. Like if we look at you, Candace, and we're like, how does she do it all? How does she have these three kids and have her own career and do, you know, do podcast Mm -hmm. interviews and write books and we don't see the whole picture. You know, the the right. new name of my podcast is Don't Mom Alone. And I think that applies to friendships and mentors, but also spouses or extended yes. family who fill in where we can't be 
all the things. Yep. So who are your people? Who are your people beyond your husband who kind of fill in those gaps? Well, my husband is by far the biggest person (laughs) and that fills in those gaps. We really traded off halfway through life in terms of you know, I, I laid down my career so I could be a stay at home mom and raise my kids while he was playing professional hockey. And then when he retired a few years after, and I wanted to start working again, he has really laid down a lot of the things that he's wanted to do post professional athlete, although he's still doing so much of it, but to be there at home so that I could do what I want to do. So I, I like, can't express enough to people of how, much sacrifice, although my husband would never call it sacrifice. He doesn't like that word. He's like, this is family. It's what you do. There's no sacrifice in it. This is what I want to do. That's success for him. Yes. He's not trying to climb some ladder and be something. He's exactly doing what's needed at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's very cool. But my husband's the the biggest reason why I can do the things that I'm doing. And then, um, I still have my parents and they're close by. They help out a lot. And then I have a best friend, Dylany, who's been my best friend since I was 15 years old. And she is another rock in my life. And then I just have a really good team of people as far as all the work elements, but they really help me manage and balance my personal life as well, because sometimes it can get hairy, you know, it gets a little squirrely and I need someone to talk me off the ledge and be like, hey, we're going to cancel this or you don't need to go do that for work. Go spend time with your family and get it adjusted and figure it out and just get loved on or love on them or whatever you need. And Mm -hmm. I have good people like that, that remind me of my priorities. Yeah, it is a constant readjusting, right? It is. People will always want more. They're always going to want more of you. They're going to be more thing, more opportunities and more opportunities. And you did the the view and you did Dancing with the Stars. And I'm sure then it like opened up even more opportunities and we could have Candace do this and she could speak here. And, and so how did you, you said those people help rein you in, but personally, did you have kind of like a come to Jesus? Okay. This is where I need to realign priorities. And this is how I decide yeses. And this is how I decide no's. Yes. I've realized over the years how there's never a balance. It's yeah. always a constant rejuggling of things. And I think that's fine. Once you have that perspective and understand it, it actually becomes easier because you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to fail this or it's not going to necessarily go away. I can pick it up at another time. Yeah. But because I feel like my time has, everyone's time is precious. But when there is so much that you're being asked to do, you have to become good at saying no and not feeling bad about it or guilty about it. And that comes back to priorities and what is important to you. I constantly have to remind myself as easy as that. It may sound, I I could easily say, oh, well, God's my priority. And then my family's my priority and then work. But those are three big picture things. It's a lot harder when it comes down to the details and the nitty gritty, because you do, at least I, I want to be that influencer for positivity and kindness and showing my love for Jesus. And I would love for people to know Jesus because of me, because I've shared a good word. Well, sometimes it gets a little more complicated when maybe I need to be with my family that I've been gone a long time, but then an opportunity comes up that says, Hey, Candace, you could go speak to 
20,000 women in an arena and share your faith and share Christ. And that's very important to me. So then I go, wow, 20,000 people. Well, that is going to do so much great work for the kingdom of God. And I should probably go do that. And yet I have four people at home that haven't seen me in several weeks or maybe even a month if I've been off shooting a movie. And that's when the priorities get tricky. I'm like, well, I love God. I love my family. What am I supposed to do? And um, sometimes that's when you need the other people in, in your life to share a good word and remind you of more detailed priorities than just the big picture ones. And you just don't, you don't look back on it either. You have to make that decision, whichever one it is for you at that moment. I don't think there's a wrong decision, but you have to know that between you and God, whichever one you're going to make, um, that you feel good about it between the two of you and, and you just, you do it and you move on and that's it. Yeah. I think it could be, in one scenario, it's a yes to the 20,000. And in one scenario, it's it's a no. And on a given month to the next month, you know, that's where you stay connected with God. And he's He's going to let you know, right? Even Jesus yeah. had those balanced struggles. Like, am I going to pull away now? Or am I going to talk to the crowd and trusting that exactly. God's bigger? He's bigger. Yep. If those 20,000 are going to hear Jesus, he's going to figure out a way. And he doesn't right. need us, right? He doesn't need us. But we can partner with him yes. if that's what he's calling us to in that moment or assigning us to in that moment. But it is. It's so hard to know. That's a good word for all of us when we are thinking it depends on me. I have to do this because it depends on me and kind of right sizing our life to humble ourselves to say, is it? (laughs) Does it depend on me? I know. I remind myself all the time. I'm like, "Mm, no, Candace, God doesn't really need you to do his work. He's going to figure out a way without you. But (laughs) but I will say Candace and I are both friends with Winter Pitts and I was very impressed. I know you didn't publicize this, but that you came to her funeral. You didn't have Mm -hmm. to do that. You didn't have to fly across the country. But to me, that shows a pure heart that makes people and families a priority that you didn't have to do. You didn't have to do it. You weren't broadcasting that you did it. But that shows a rightness in spirit to me. Anyway, I just wanted to thank you. Just I just acknowledge that fact that People see you and the spotlight and the different things you say yes to. But I think it's the little things that we sometimes say yes to that no one knows about that God sees and he sees your heart and he knows your desires to please him and to honor people um, well. So how do you, okay, I'm jumping around a bit because I want to get to these questions from listeners too, but I'm like so curious about all the things myself. So we had gals ask about your own personal walk with God. So Mm -hmm. how do you stay consistent in that? Especially in L.A. I mean, I used to live in San Francisco. I actually felt like it was easier to be a Christian in San Francisco because you're kind of like a unicorn pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> like, so if you believe true. there is a God, then you're you're in a certain group um, with everyone who believes there's a God, the five of you. So to me, it was a little bit easier to cling to than sometimes it is in Texas where it's blurrier. The lines yeah. are blurrier. But how do you personally and the entertainment industry and being around different people who may not follow God to stay consistent? Well, I do agree with you in what you said that if you live in a city that is not the majority, where where you're not the majority in your faith, it actually is easier because you either believe it or you don't. You can't just blend into the crowd. And if you do, then you know which side you've picked. Yeah. So I have to stay, I mean, my sole guidance is the word of God. I've got to stay in my Bible. 
And I try to, I'm not perfect about it. I don't want to give any of your listeners uh, to think that I am perfectly in the word every single day. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I try to be. But there are some days when I am just tired, like this whole week I'm shooting a movie and we've been working 16 to 18 hour days and I've been working till six in the morning, waking up at two in the afternoon, getting back to work at 3 p.m. And I'm I'm beat. And if I can read a minute of my Bible, I am, but I'm not spending 30 minutes in the word because I'm just too tired to do my study that day. It's, it's not like you're doing these three-hour inductive Bible studies, but, <laughs> no. you're, but God's word is written in your heart and to be reminded in a verse. I think that's helpful to the newborn moms, the moms of newborns mm-hmm. who can feel beat down. Like, am I not walking with Jesus because I'm not having these three-hour inductive Bible studies? Right. There's seasons of our lives that we can't. Yeah. And you are, you still are walking with Jesus. Now on those days, like, like I say, when I'm, I try to be in the word every day, the reality is I'm not, but I, I really, it is important to me. So I'm always giving it my best effort, but I'm praying throughout the day. So my relationship Mm. isn't going anywhere. I feel very connected to God every single day because I pray throughout the day. Now, sometimes I literally have to roll off, like roll out of my bed and onto my knees every morning and start my day that way. I don't feel connected if I don't do that. Mm. Uh, But throughout my day, I'm constantly having conversations with God, not always in a closed doored room (laughs) on my knees, but like whatever I'm doing, because it might just be under my breath and be like, oh, Jesus, oh, (laughs) Jesus, you need to help me because I want to snap at that person right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or like, I'm going to lose it with my son who just talked back to me or whatever that, but it's a constant dialogue and that it's really everything for me to know that my words are heard by him, no matter where I am, no matter what time of day, when I say it under my breath, he hears it and I know he hears it and I trust that he hears it. So I will encourage anyone in, in that no matter where they are in their walk, but if, especially if they feel timid or shy or that their prayers are only heard if it's quiet and they have their cup of coffee with their Bible open in the morning, that's not true. Mm-hmm. God hears you all throughout the day. So keep talking to him. And then, you know, we're, we go to church on Sundays. I've got my group of girlfriends that we encourage one another. We study together And I rely on those people as they rely on me and we keep each other accountable. Accountability is so incredibly important in my life. And that's how I do it in my industry and where I work. But I don't think that my industry is really any different than anyone else's workplace unless they're working within their church or they're working in an environment that is a Christian-like environment or an organization that has that foundation. I mean, if you're working at Starbucks or you're working retail or you're a doctor, you're going to encounter people all day long that don't believe the same things that you believe, that don't share your faith, that may not have the kind of heart that you would want or hope that they would have or speak to you that way. But So that's no different than the entertainment industry. So I don't feel like my industry is harder than somebody else's to walk out my faith in. Hmm. Have you ever been mocked by those who know you love Jesus and they kind of want to tear you down? I mean, I know on The View, you kind of (laughs) 
had to stand yes. up for a lot. I mean, but even behind the scenes or how did you handle like direct? It's not persecution like we see, you know, you're not being burned at the stake, but it is an emotional level <laughs> kind of persecution where you have to stand up for your faith in the front of someone mocking you. Yeah, it definitely is. And those kinds of wounds, they really wound your your heart and your soul because if you take them too personally, they really can kill you from the inside out mm. if you start believing all of those voices. And that's just the enemy talking and getting under your skin, but you can't believe it. And the answer is yes, I have faced so much of that and not just on The View, but with social media today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's something I talk to my kids so much about because they are older, they are all on social media, but that as much as I love it. And truly I do love social media. I enjoy the communication. I love that it has made the world a small place. I love that it has given all of us a little extra platform to share what we believe. And I want to share kindness. I want to share Jesus. Uh, I want to share all the things that have worked and haven't worked in my life in hopes that it helps another person, but it can also be such an ugly weapon for people. And it can be so hard to hear and can really cut uh, right to the core of who we are or who we think we are. And that's one of those things when you, when you feel, or when I have felt like my faith has been attacked um, or mocked, I have to remind myself that I'm there to please an audience of one. I cannot please all people and not everyone is going to believe what I believe and whether they're ugly about it or they're snarky about it or sarcastic or however way they feel better to, you know, put me down because of it. I just remember that's the person that needs Jesus most to hear the gospel. And how could I pray for them? How could I speak a kind word to them? Or maybe I just need to walk away without an ugly look on my face and not say anything in that moment so that I do respond in as much kindness as possible. But maybe that doesn't have to be verbal, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, your new, your newest nonfiction book, Kind is the New Classy, you kind of address a lot of that, of just how we approach other people in a world that's just battling, just constant mm -hmm. division. And I've been reading through Acts and just the boldness of the disciples, but they're not unkind. <laughs> So it's not like exactly. kindness means rolling over. It's nope. not like you're saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Whatever you want to say is true. But you can stand for what's true and be led by the Holy Spirit to still be bold in it and kind. And so exactly. how do you how did you train your daughter in that? I mean, I'm sure she's watching you and watching you in interactions. And but even like give us phrases like someone comes up to us and says oh, something and like comes right in our face. I mean, what's your go to <laughs> on responding well, I mean, to them kindly. I I tell my daughter all the time. I actually just had this conversation with her last night, but I'm like, baby, kill him with kindness, kill him with kindness. And it's like, Oh mom, <laughs> you always say that. I'm like, but it's true. You will, you will deflate someone's puffed up ego that's attacking you because when you don't give them anything to attack back, when you're just kind and not, don't be sarcastically kind. Don't be snarky kind actually try to humbly be kind to that person. They have no place to go. You're not fueling their fire. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a TED talk about that with bullying. Like he showed two responses. And when you responded 
back to the bully with like compliments. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're really good at insulting people. <laughs> like they didn't know what to do with it. So yeah, I think yeah. that that makes a lot of sense. But and I think about my responses. It is my pride that makes mm-hmm. me want to stand up for no, you're wrong, and I have to defend myself right. or that hurt me, and I need to hurt you back. And so it is a real choice to be kind, even with our kids. Like you're saying, we have a disrespectful teen or a, a toddler who's flipping out. We don't want to choose kindness in those moments. I know sometimes, it, yeah, it's easier said than done. That's for <laughs> sure. I can talk about it all day long, but here's the good news. The more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Mm. And mm. I've been learning that for a long time and it's really true. So just like anything, you create new habits in your life when you continually practice them. And then they become a natural habit over a period of time that you don't even have a second thought about it. It's just what you do. So if you treat kindness in the same way, I promise you, your thought process will naturally come to having more kind thoughts, doing more kind actions without you having to really think it through at first. And it becomes easier over the years. And I think that's really hopeful and encouraging that it becomes easier. And so I hope that you start doing it and not think like get frustrated because it's difficult. I mean, anything you start that's new is always going to be difficult, but you can, it can become a habit and kindness is that way. So good. Okay. Uh, My next question for you from a listener is if any of your Full House or Fuller House co-stars were believers too. Um. I get asked this question a lot. I don't actually like to answer this publicly okay. because they're all very close friends yeah. with me and they, they may be listening, but I, and I, not even because they're listening, I have conversations with them. Mm-hmm. So I will just say that I am never afraid. I mean, they're all my friends and even beyond them, my crew, everyone knows where my face stands. I'm not afraid to talk about Jesus but I don't want to project any of their personal relationships with God and where they're at or where they aren't. Yes. Um, But you felt free to talk about it with them and have conversations. 100%. It was like a safe group to be with. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then they wanted to know how growing up in this entertainment industry has shaped who you are. And I bet that's hard to answer because it's kind of like I was homeschooled for a period of time. People want to ask, like, what do you think? Was did you like homeschool? I'm like, I don't know any different. That's what right. I knew. I know. It's so true. So you don't know what it, how, I mean, I'm sure you can maybe pinpoint a couple things, but you didn't live a life outside of it for very much of your life. So I didn't. And yet I feel like I had so much normalcy in my life because okay. for certain years I did go to a public school. Okay. I did attend some classes at my high school before I would go to work for the day. I went to three proms, <laughs> even though I wasn't really officially <laughs> in a high school, I was more or less homeschooled. But yeah. I did a lot of the things that every or most kids do growing up. But of course, being in the industry shaped me into who I am. I'm a total people pleaser. And mm. I think that's one of the things that shaped me the most and been one of my biggest struggles because I want people to like me and being a performer, doing a job well done for a director or producer to tell me, Oh, Candace, that was so good. I mean, I just grew up with that 
verbal either mm-hmm. praise or, oh, that wasn't, you didn't do that very well. And so I was always looking for that kind of approval within work. And that mm-hmm. started at age five. So although we talked about it with my parents, I never felt like that from home. But certainly in my everyday life at work, that was all I was striving for. Mm-hmm. And so um, that has shaped me into being a people pleaser. But I feel like the Lord has just shown me so much and has changed me in my view about that. And it's not that I don't still strive to (laughs) please people, but I have a different outlook on it, which has been wonderful. But, you know, I look at my time growing up in the industry as a very positive one that has shaped me into who I am for all the right reasons and good reasons and ones that I've learned from so much and I'm continuing to learn from. And I love that I'm a bold woman. And I think that that is because of growing up. I grew up in an adult environment Mm -hmm. since a very young age. And I've worked around adults my entire life. I had to make decisions and be a grown up when I was five and 10 and 15. Um, So it definitely has shaped me into who I am today. But I love that it did. And I love that it gave me opportunities that a lot of the people around me never had at my age. So I saw I always saw that as an advantage and, and also just something very special that I was grateful for. Very cool. We're all grateful for it, too. (laughs) We're grateful for it. And I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about your newest book, because I think it kind of goes with what you're talking about, the whole people pleasing, being ourselves, trusting that that's okay, instead of making ourselves likable and who we think people want us to be. Your book, Candace Center Stage, about this little girl who takes a ballet class and Uh, has her own way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit of the backstory of the book. Well, this is, I believe, my seventh book that I've written, but it's my first children's book. Very exciting. Very exciting. So excited about it because I want your listeners to know that I've been wanting to write a children's book for 20 years. Wow, that's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. (laughs) Ever since I had Natasha, reading to my children has been one of the biggest pleasures of my life. Mm. I've always loved it. And so as soon as she was born, I dreamed of writing a children's book one day. And to see this come to fruition is like, just makes my heart so incredibly happy. And Candace Center Stage, and then and there will be a, a series of these books, but She's kind of based on me. You know, we have the same name (laughs) in the book. (laughs) Um, But what I love, I love about her in this book is that she's a bold girl, but she's willing to work hard at something that instinctually she thinks she already knows the answers. Like my daughter, Natasha, she's a strong one. You know, she really since she was a little, little girl, just thought she had all the answers and she knew everything. And in the book, this little girl feels like that. She kind of feels like, mom, I don't even need ballet lessons because I'm already a great ballet dancer. Mm. And the mom goes, well, why don't you learn some new steps? Well, I I know everything. I know how to do this. And so she's kind of this strong-willed little girl, but she learns the lesson in that she has to really work hard at it, that not everything comes naturally to her and she might not be quite as good as she thought she was. And then 
when the going gets rough and because it's scary for her and even intimidating at times, she pushes through her fears. And I think her own boldness. And sometimes we think when we have a strong willed child as a mom, you're like, oh, <laughs> like it's so negative, right? Yeah, it's, it's so, it's negative, so negative. Yeah, will yeah. child. But if you learn how to nurture that strong will to be a hard worker, to be so helpful, to help other people, you can nurture being strong-willed into such greatness. And I feel like that's what this little Mm. character, Candace and Candace Center Stage is all about. She's stays true to herself. um, And she's got a big, bright, bold personality that kind of thinks she knows it all. But she realizes that She's got to still work hard and it's okay to fail and you can just try again. And that is very reflective of my own life growing up and the lessons that I've really tried to instill in my own children is that don't be afraid to fail because you'll never know what you're capable of unless you try and don't be afraid to work hard at it because that's the other thing. If you quit too early, you may not realize how good you can be. And if you're not at that, it's okay. You can do something else, but you got to try. Yes, for all of us that are <laughs> waiting to do something that we maybe feel God nudging us to do and the fear of failure or not enoughness or weakness can, um, you know, I think this next generation of girls is getting better messaging about who they can be and how they can use their gifts and mm-hmm. how God can use them and there are multiple options for them and I think it's great. I think it's great that you're taking what you've learned and how God's used your life to inspire other little girls and however God made them. Uh, I'm so thankful to get to chat with you, Candice. You are amazing. Thank you. I have, okay, something that popped in my head, and I just feel like I need to ask it is, how long did you stay home with kids? You said you jumped I out. Home okay. for ten, yes, 10 years. Okay. I didn't work and was a full-time stay-at-home mom. Okay. And then now you have teenagers. Yep. What tips do you have for those moms who want to connect with their teenagers but don't know how? Well, it has to start before they're teenagers in the sense that, um, mm, okay, (laughs) I could talk about this forever because I will be honest with you. I love the teenage years more than I love the little years. Okay. That's encouraging to the young moms listening because sometimes they just hear all the negatives. So that's good. Right. I do hear that a lot from moms. And the best advice I got before my kids were teenagers, were prepare for the teenage years. Start looking forward to it and don't feel defeated before you even start. Prepare as much as you can by whether it's listening to podcasts like this or learning from others or reading books or, but especially being involved in your child's life. Mm -hmm. And that's not I'm not talking about helicopter parenting (laughs) or doing everything for them. Right. But literally having a relationship, conversation with them, Mm -hmm. having an openness. Because yes, of course, at times they're going to be closed off because we all know that's what happens with teenagers' brains and things happen that you're (laughs) like, oh. But instead of looking at it negatively, prepare for it and look forward to it. And that's what I did before they were teenagers. And I have to tell you, I, I just love the teenage years. And We've had some major challenges in our life 
and we have three wonderful, wonderful kids. I mean, I love who they are as people. I love their hearts. And, but that is not to say that we have not gone through some serious struggles with them. Hmm. And, uh, it's challenging, but you have to keep on and keep the right perspective. I had to really learn not to take things personally with my teenagers because a lot of words come out and even actions come out that like their brains are not fully developed. <laughs> they do not mean them the way that we hear them as 40 year olds or, yeah. or 30 year olds or 50 year olds, 60 year olds that have had the wisdom and maturity beyond those years that, that they're at. So I've had to learn not to take things personally, but certainly if you are married, it is incredibly important to be unified as parents in mm. your decision making and that you don't allow your children to come between you to try to manipulate you that you are a united front you and your spouse uh, so that you can make those decisions together and know because trust me your children will try to break you <laughs> like and break you apart and manipulate, like, can I get mom to do this or right. dad to do this? And I'm going to try. So if you are a united front and a team that helps you tremendously, but all, and also gives your children such an example of what co-parenting, what marriage is about. But those are all, I say those with so much love and positivity. And I don't know. I just love, don't be scared of the teenage years. It's good. Very helpful. Okay. Now I can let you go. But I just had to, I had to figure that out because I'm headed into those years. And so selfish. This is when I have my selfish questions. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Candice. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course. I'll be praying for this book and for whatever you're filming and <laughs> all the things. Hallmark thank shows, you. many more, right? You're going to make more for us? Hallmark movies? Yes. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing my new Christmas movie that'll be on November 25th on Hallmark Channel. Yay! Well, thank you for working hard so that we can <laughs> oh, veg in front of the pleasure. TV. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we will work together again soon. Yes, it, we must make it at least three times. Okay, yeah. So. <laughs> All right. All right, take Bye, care. Thank you all for joining Candace and I today. I hope you were encouraged. And it's just fun, right? It's just fun. I just can't believe it. Pinch me. I don't even know how God does this, that he would orchestrate things like that conversation. But I loved it. And I hope you did too. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for uh, tagging me, letting me know where you're listening and making sure other moms are not alone. If the show has helped you, then it is the kindest thing to share it with someone else because it's just going to encourage another mom. And you guys are the ultimate ambassadors against loneliness. So amazing. I want to let you know, with our Not Alone community, I've mentioned it before. If you want to see a little bit more, uh, go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join. This coming month, November, our theme is going to be Not Alone in Shame. And I've already recorded a video with Sheila Walsh that is going to be available. And I'll have some curated episodes on shame and some other resources available to you if that's something that is weighing you down, especially going into the holidays. I know there's just so many things that reveal that inner message that we're failing, that we're not good enough. And so we want to bring that shame into the light. I'm also going to host a mentor chat I want to invite you to that for the Not Alone community to join me. And we're just going to get a video live. You guys ask your questions. I'll have hopefully a mentor there. If not, I'll serve as someone going alongside you in this journey. And 
talk about the things. Talk about the things that are weighing you down. I don't want you to be alone. And sometimes I know whether it is a fragile child that you are caring for and you can't leave the house or it's where you're living is just really isolated and there are not a lot of other believers to encourage you. I'm hoping, even though to me online is second best to real life, if you truly have no real life community, I want to allow us to get together. And so I'll be hosting a video chat with y'all. Stay tuned for details about that. That'll be happening in November. uh, And I'll have a link to that in the Not Alone community. Go check it out over at don'tmomalone.com forward slash join. And I'm going to be adding things there, adding some tracks for you new moms to know what episodes to listen to and to help transform you from just feeling insecure and overwhelmed to confident in your mothering. If you're an angry mom, I'm hoping to have a track for you and different episodes to help you find some peace. And, you know, if you've never studied the Bible, I want to have a track for you to know how to go from not knowing much about your Bible to studying and praying and just really connecting with God. So stay tuned. All those things coming your way. All right. Join me next week. I'm going to have a conversation with Sandy Patty. Seriously, pinch me. It's all my 90s childhood dreams coming true. That's what you guys are witnessing. (laughs) Thanks for being a part of it. And we will talk soon. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, He said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.